Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. Father, we thank you. You're so good to us. Because of your faithful love, we are not consumed, but we are able to endure by the power of Holy Spirit. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We will say of the Lord, you are our portion, our lot, our deliverer, our God in whom we trust. And right now we focus our attention and our affection to hear from you. And we ask today that you would give us eyes that can see, ears that hear, hearts that are tender and responsive to your word for us today. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Come on, get ready. <laughs> so we've been reading from the book of Colossians the last couple of Sundays, this main verse, and we're going to continue to build on the concept that the Holy Spirit is teaching us. And today the message is called Old versus New. Say that, old. Don't point to anybody. Old versus new. <laughs> We're going to talk about the old versus the new, and we're going to look at our main text that we've been referring to the last couple of Sundays in Colossians chapter 3, but we're going to read starting in verse 9 this week. He says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this life, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, black, Filipino, white, Hispanic, anything else. Circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, civilized, uncivilized, slave-free. Read it. Christ is all that matters. Again, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. What a powerful truth. To be reminded of again, Christ is all that matters. And because of what Christ has done for us, we remember that as we take communion. His willingness to die on the cross, to take our place, to pay the punishment for our sins. Because of the unconditional love of God that never gives up on us. Because of His mercies that never run out. Anybody say amen? <laughs> then we're called to do something in response to what God has done for us through Jesus Christ to strip off the old and to put on the new. To take off the old and put on the new. And here they're using the analogy of clothes. How many of you know when your clothes get dirty, it's best to take off the old and put on something new? Your family will thank you. Your co-workers will be glad you put on some new clean clothes instead of the old smelly ones and so even in our nature this is a metaphor that's saying the old way before Christ when you didn't know any different when you just lived according to your own thoughts your own beliefs your own ideas then that no longer 
is what we got to live by. We take off the old way of thinking, the old way of acting, the old way of our attitudes. Instead of living for ourselves, we take those off like clothes. Instead, we put on new clothes, clothed in righteousness because of Jesus Christ. Clothes that now are not about my way, but his way. Not about my thoughts and opinions, but about what the word of God says. Not about my truth, but his truth. Not about how I always did it, because I can't help it. I am this way. Well, now, because of Christ, you don't have to stay that way. You can take off the old that way, and you can learn a new way. So we got to strip off the old. Everybody say, strip it off. I bet you never thought you'd hear that in church. <laughs> strip off the old. Put on the new. This tells us something very clearly, that there is an expectation of change. That when we choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we don't just say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then keep doing the same thing, living the same way. Now we've got to learn the new way, the new life, the life that Christ has died to give us. And we've got to learn a new habits, new thought patterns, new attitudes, new behaviors. And the verse says we must be renewed. Say renewed. So I thought I would look up what that means. Well, to be renewed means to change into something better, to change into something new. And the scripture clearly tells us that the way we do that, verse 10, you know your creator, and the more you know him, the more you become like him. So we've got to learn the new way. Everybody say learn. Got to learn the new way. And then you've got to know God. And then you become like him. Learn, know, become. Say that. Learn, know, become. These are action words. It requires action. See, living for Jesus is not a boring, stand-filled life of just waiting around till the rapture happens. Oh, say la vie, come what may. When Jesus comes, it'll all be better. Or if I die, whatever, I'm just waiting. It's not a passive kind of faith. It's an active faith. An active faith in actively living for Jesus Christ. In actively allowing his power to do a work in us. Remember last week, Philippians 1.6, that God is doing a good work in us. A work that he promises to complete until it's finished. It's a God work, a good work, and an ongoing work. But it's God's work in you, and we need to cooperate with the good God work to allow ourselves to change. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, there you go again, learn. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, read it. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw off the old. We got to get rid of the old way. Next verse says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. What is your new nature? It's created to be what? Like God, truly righteous and holy. Your new nature is Christ himself. 
Your new nature is the reality of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, when you put your faith in Christ, He no longer looks at you as dirty and full of sin. He sees you as what? Perfect through the blood of Jesus. You have right standing with God through what? Faith. It is by faith. It is by faith. But you know what couples faith? Works. Because genuine faith leads to good works. And so it's by faith that we were saved. And then that faith spurs us on into action. But we got to take off the old. Throw away the old. Get rid of the old and put on the new. I call it the before Christ and the after Christ. The way we live before Christ looks very different than the way we are to live now that we belong to Christ. See, this scripture in 21 gives us insight. It says that our old sinful nature, it's corrupted. What's it corrupted by? Deception and lust. So our sinful nature that we're all born into sin, you and I all have a sinful nature. None of us are perfect. We all got sin, right? And so in that sinful nature, the issue is it's corrupted. It's no longer the way God intended when he created mankind. See, in the beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were perfect. There was no sin yet. And they were naked and unashamed. And they had perfect fellowship and relationship with God. But then sin came in. And now they're no longer a perfect reflection of the maker in his image. Now we have corruption of a sinful nature. And so the issues that we battle are lust, the lust of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And we also have deception because Satan is the father of lies. We talked the whole month of June about truth. And our truth is found in Jesus alone. This new way of living is based on the truth of Jesus Christ. Because you learned about Jesus, the truth about Jesus. We no longer want to live like we always did. We want to do something new. We want to live like Jesus. We want to identify with Jesus. I looked at Matthew Henry's commentary on this, and he said this, and I like it. It says, Christ is the lesson. We must learn Christ. And Christ is the teacher. We are taught by Christ. Christ is all that matters. See, I'm talking about Christ, not Christianity. When I'm talking about leaving the old way of living and putting on a new nature, living the new life that Christ gave us, it's not about religion. It's not about rules and do's and don'ts because if you get caught up in that, you're following religion, not the person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ is very different than religion. So I'm talking about Christ, not Christianity. I'm talking about the person, not protocols. I'm talking about how Christ is my motivation to actually change, to do the hard work of learning something different, to do the hard work of allowing the Holy Spirit to change my attitudes and my thoughts, to do the hard work of dying to myself every day so I can follow Christ. It's a hard work, but it's a good work. Tell your neighbor, it's a good work. You know, sometimes we got to be reminded about that because Christianity, in the sense of following Christ, not a religion, but following Christ, following Christ can be hard. Anybody relate to me? <laughs> following Christ is not always easy, but it's a good follow. It's a good work. It's a hard work, but it's a good work. So don't focus on how hard it is. Fo focus on how good He is. 
Don't focus on your sacrifice. Focus on his sacrifice. Don't focus on what you're giving up, saying no to, but focus on what you're saying yes to because of the gift of Jesus Christ. We got to learn to shift our thoughts and our attitudes in a way that enables us to live the new way, the new attitude, the new way of thinking. Not under the influence of our sinful nature, the old, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the new. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that helps change our thoughts and attitudes. If we look at verse 24 again, what does it say? It says this, Instead, let the Spirit renew, make better, make new, your thoughts and attitudes. So the key to walking the new way is to let the Holy Spirit change your thoughts and your attitudes. Yeah. That's not fun. It's not always easy. But it's the only way to really begin to live and experience the fullness of what Jesus Christ has for you. So we got to learn how to be led by the Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit's job to help us change. It's the Holy Spirit's job to teach us truth. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of lies. Remember, we're corrupted by deception, lies. It's the Holy Spirit's job to illuminate our understanding so that we go, ah. Have you ever read the Bible and something stood out to you and you're like, oh, I've never seen that before. That's the Holy Spirit. Guess what you hear from the Holy Spirit? When you read something and you're like, that is what I needed today. Yeah, Holy Spirit knows. Holy Spirit cares about you and where you're at in your journey. Holy Spirit is there to help you. He lives in you. He's your advocate. He's your guide. He's your director. If you will just learn to listen and follow the Holy Spirit. The person of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit are the keys to living the new way. The person of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Romans 7, verse 18. I like this because Paul is very candid. We think about Paul, Paul the apostle. Paul the man that took the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the known world. Paul who defeated the odds. Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. Paul, Superman, Christian, yeah? And then look what Paul, one of our heroes in the faith. I love Paul because he's very candid and transparent. He says this in verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Guys, can I tell you, the sooner you and I learn the truth that apart from Christ, there is nothing good in me, it will help you come a long way. Because when the Holy Spirit points out something that is not aligned with truth, with his truth, if I think, well, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty nice. I don't always say what's on my mind. <laughs> sometimes we justify. Sometimes we try to get around what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us, you know. But if I realize, like Paul, that there is nothing good in me, Dawn, in and of herself, is a sinner. There is nothing good in me except Jesus Christ. So Paul, the superman, the super Christian, the hero of our faith, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me. That does it. 
I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. But thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah, he deserves our gratitude. He deserves our praise and our worship. Because I don't know about you, but I can relate to the feeling of misery. Why can't I get it right? I thought I was done with this already, God. Why is it coming up again? I've repented how many times? And still? Ah! Paul's like, who's going to save me from being so miserable? I know what's right. And I didn't do it again. Why? I don't know if you guys have felt like that, but I felt like this. See, now the devil wants you to stay there. Mm. Why even bother? Because I've tried like how many times? So forget it. It doesn't work. I don't change, so I quit. Mm. The devil wants you to stay angry and miserable and frustrated. I'm not going to read my Bible today. It doesn't work anyway. Can, can we be real in this church? I'm not getting what I want from God. I'll just go to the bottle. Or I'll just go to my phone. Mm. But Paul doesn't stay there. He, he recognizes that he's still not perfect. He recognizes that he's still a work in progress. He understands that he's not doing everything he knows he should do and he still messes up, but he doesn't stay in that place. He fixes his eyes on Jesus and he says, but thank God because the answer is in Jesus. Can I tell you, when you find yourself messing up again, don't beat yourself up, run to the cross. Don't stay in misery, run to Jesus. Because his mercies are new every morning. His love is unconditional. He never gives up on us. Run to Jesus. Don't stay stuck in feeling mad, discouraged, frustrated, irritated. And don't run to other ways of escaping. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. I love Paul's candor here because he's saying, look, there's still a war. I, I, he says this, this thing that's really interesting. He says, uh, I believe it's verse 17. He says, um, if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now, I've read this verse every time I go, huh? <laughs> he's like, I mess up, but it's not really me. Doesn't that almost kind of sound like an excuse? You know, when you come at your kid, why did you do this? It wasn't me, <laughs> right? I remember one time we sat down at dinner and there were two extra place settings. And we said, Mom, who's coming over for dinner? She goes, don't worry about it, just eat. And dinner goes on. 
And we keep looking, all my siblings, we're looking at each other and we're like, Mom, is somebody coming over for dinner? Why are we eating? Who are these place settings for? And she says, it's for my other two children, not me, and I don't know. And, I, and we, I mean, we got it. It was a very quiet dinner. Because you know when you come to your kids, who did it? Not me. I don't know. When you got five kids and everybody's saying the same, she said, I figured out how to feed them. Because they're around my house a lot. But isn't it human nature to do that? To try to make an excuse? I don't know. Not me. God, not me. God, don't you know them? They're worse than me. Why are you talking to me about this? It's so minor. Look at them. Don't we like to shift blame? Adam and Eve did it. Adam was like, God, it wasn't me. You gave me the woman. It's like, Adam doesn't just blame Eve. He says, God, you gave me her. It's like human nature when confronted with sin. We're like, not me. Mm -mm. Somebody else. And then we justify our actions. But that's not what Paul is doing here. I really had to dig in and talk to the Holy Spirit about this because I'm like, this verse is weird. Paul's like, I mess up, I do wrong, but it's not really me. Oh, really? No, what he's saying is because of Christ, this is no longer who I am. Christ broke the power of sin in my life. There is still a sinful nature. I'm still a work in progress, but I don't own the sin because I am not my sin. Are you getting this? He's, he's actually understanding a principle that we need to get. That when I mess up, I don't have to continue in that sin. Christ has broke the power of sin off my life. So I can respond in repentance. I can decide to let Holy Spirit change my thoughts and attitudes so that eventually I conquer that sin. Because it's not really me, it's my sinful nature. But guess what? My sinful nature has been thrown away. My sinful nature has been nailed to the cross. So I don't have to live the old anymore. So it's not me, it's my sinful nature. But I'm not living that way anymore. Do you guys get that? Isn't that good? It's good. It's good because the devil wants to pin your sin on your forehead. The scarlet letter on your chest. He wants you to live according to what you do. But God says it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. In Christ we are clean. In Christ we are free. In Christ we are cleansed. In Christ we are holy. Woo! The answer is in Christ. Man, so next time you're like, oh, man, why do I keep doing what is wrong? Say, but thanks be to God, because the answer is Jesus Christ. You're going to get me through this. Eventually, I'm going to do this less and less, and there's going to be more time in between until eventually it's not even an issue anymore because I am free in Christ Jesus. It's not about how many times you mess up. It's how many times you don't quit and you keep running to Jesus and allowing him to do a work in your life. And when you don't quit, he will work into you such freedom that eventually what used to keep you bound and chased no longer even touches you. You know what? I love you, but you should be more excited than that. Because it's not anything we do, it's Christ. It's the power of Jesus. He's the answer. So then this verse, the end of Romans 7 that we just read, goes now to the next verse. Very popular verse, Romans 8, 1. 
Now, we divide the chapters, but the thought continues. So Paul says, I don't do what I want to do. I keep messing up. I'm miserable over it. But God has given me the answer in Christ. So now there is therefore no condemnation. I mess up. I do what's wrong. I know better. I, I, I keep screwing up. I'm not doing what I know I should do. But Jesus is my answer. Therefore, there is no condemnation. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that there is no condemnation? When we mess up, God is not up there playing whack-a-mole. He's not up there going, oh man, again, how many times do I got to deal with this person? That's not how he is. He's so patient. He's so kind. He's so gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not care how many times we mess up. He just wants us to keep coming to him. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, tell yourself, no, tell your neighbor, no condemnation. Some of y'all need to... Get it off your shoulders. The devil's been wanting you to feel condemned. The devil's been wanting you to feel ashamed. But today, you just need to get it off yourself. There is therefore now no condemnation because we belong to Jesus Christ. Come on, some of you need to get it off you. Don't carry it. It's heavy. It's not for you. Tell your neighbor it ain't for you. Come on. Let's read the next one. And because you belong to Christ, oh, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So remember, we have the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who broke the power of sin is the same spirit who sets you free from the power of sin. So verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Whew, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but we follow the spirit. We take off the old. We don't follow the sinful nature anymore. I've decided to follow Jesus. Come on. No turning back. No turning back. We have left the old way. The cross before me. The world behind me. Ha ha ha. Come on. We don't follow our sinful nature anymore. We have a new leader. We follow the Spirit. And I need to ask you this question today, church. Who or what are you following? Because if you are not intentional to follow the Holy Spirit, you will be led by headlines. You will be led by social media. You'll be led by the gossip at work. You'll be led by your own sinful nature corrupted by lust and deception. 
If you are not intentional to follow the Holy Spirit, you'll stay stuck where you are. But what did I say last week? God said, don't stay stuck. There's an expectation that we grow up. That we become like Christ. But you and I have to be intentional. Who am I following? When I have an anger issue, why am I angry? Who am I following? What's this really about? When I find myself doing the same thing I've asked God for forgiveness for multiple times, what made me give in again? What can I learn? What can I do different? Holy Spirit, what are you telling me to do? What changes do I need to make in my lifestyle? What are the things that I should do? Can I tell you, Holy Spirit's really good at helping you fix your things and help you do what is better. I've experienced it firsthand from the things that Holy Spirit has taught me that are so practical. I've said this before, but it's just such a good example. But during the pandemic, I'm always, I work night shift multiple times over the years, and I've been, I don't know, maybe a musician. We like to stay up late. So I always stayed up late, and then the, then the Holy Spirit gave me a midnight curfew, and that was really hard because sometimes I'd be in bed at midnight and I'd be wide awake. But I was obeying the Holy Spirit until eventually my sleep clock got used to midnight. And so I would just be used to going to bed between 11 and midnight most of my adult life. And so that's why I'm not a morning person, because I'd be up so late. <laughs> and then, and then uh, during the pandemic, living by myself, cooped up, you know, you can talk to people until about 7-ish. A lot of them got to go to work, so it's time for them to go to bed. And then from 7 to about midnight, I'm just like, just by myself. You can only watch so much TV. You can only do so many activities when you just you. <laughs> and it got hard. It got really hard. And I would, I, would, I would have some dark moments, and I would feel really, really lonely, and it would be really challenging, and I would spend so many of my evenings crying and just fighting depression, if I'm honest with you guys. And it was really hard, and I was praying. I said, God, what do I do? I need your help. I, I don't want to keep living like this. This is hard. I'm miserable. What do I do? You know what the Holy Spirit told me? Go to bed earlier. <laughs> Go to bed at 9.30. And I was like, 9.30? This is going to take an act of God. To get me to go to bed at 9.30 because I'm never tired at 9.30. So I was on my walk, my prayer walk, you know, that the Holy Spirit taught me how to stay regular and exercise, pray at the same time. So I was praying and I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm crazy, Holy Spirit, but if this is you, you know me, like you need to help me go to sleep early. Can I tell you at 9 o'clock that night, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. And I went to sleep at 9.30, and I went to sleep at 9.30 every night, 9.30, 9.30, like clockwork. And you know what happened? It shortened my alone time at night. And you know what happened? It helped me battle my darkness and my depression, something so simple, so practical, I never would have thought of myself. But Holy Spirit knows what we need. So instead of staying up late by myself, I got up early. And in the morning, you get up, you exercise, you pray, you feel good. You got, it was a whole different thing for me. I was like, oh, that's a sunrise. Huh. Sometimes what the Holy Spirit will ask you to do doesn't feel very spiritual. Oh, but he knows you better than you know yourself. And because I chose to obey and I asked his help, <laughs> he helped me and it broke me out of a dark season. Going to bed earlier. We no longer follow our sinful nature. Instead, we follow the Spirit. So how do you know if you're following the Spirit? Let's keep reading. Come on, tell your neighbor, it is good. You know it is. You know it is. Romans 8, verse 5. 
Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So how do you know what you're following? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? Oh, when that person did that to me, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do to get back, and I'm going to do the best thing I can say to them, and it wasn't right what they did to me, and I'm going to talk about how it wasn't right that they did to me, and all I'm thinking about is what I'm going to do about it. That's letting my uh, sinful nature control my thinking, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> Holy Spirit is a different way. Now, if, my, if the Holy Spirit controls my mind, I'm like, oh, I can't believe they did that to me, but God... You said that you will take vengeance, that I'm to bless those who persecute me. And so this is really hard, but I choose to forgive them. I choose to let it go. I choose to think about how you've forgiven me time and time again. And so, Lord, help me. Show me how to be kind. Show me how to be patient towards them. And then when you see them immediately, you're like, because <laughs> we still got a sinful nature. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit's like, remember, and you're like, What are you following? Figure out what you're... I like what Joyce Meyer says. Think about what you're thinking about. Because many of us are on autopilot. Think about what you're thinking about. Let's keep reading. It says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So how do I know what I'm following? Is it leading to death, frustration, hurt, bitterness, grudge, or lust, sinful action? Or is it leading to what is peace and what is life? Healing, restoration, reconciliation. What is it leading to? Because the Spirit will always lead you to peace. Peace doesn't mean it makes sense. Peace doesn't mean it's fair. <laughs> peace means God is speaking to you and He's telling you what to do and you're holding on that He's God, He's good, He knows better. Peace and life. So how do I know if I'm following my old sinful nature or if I'm following the new and, and being led by the Spirit? What am I thinking about? And what is it leading to? If it's leading me to sin and negativity, bad emotions, then I'm being controlled by my sinful nature. The old is getting the best of me again. But if it's leading to Christ-like behavior, forgiveness, mercy, patience, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit we're going to read soon, then I know I'm being led by the Spirit. This is good, you guys. So think about what you're thinking about and look at the outcome. That's going to tell you who you're, or what you are following. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So here's the other one. Are you obeying God, or are you disobeying God? Because if you're disobeying God, you're not being led by the Spirit. But if you're walking in obedience to the last thing you know God told you to do, what He's convicted you of, where you're at, then guess what? You're being led by the Spirit. I'm helping you learn how to discern the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. So if my mind is causing me to stress out, if my thoughts are full of anxious and worry, fear, the what-ifs, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, 
then my mind is not being led by the Spirit. My mind is being led by my old nature. So i got to change the direction of my mind by the power of the Holy Spirit to what is right and good and noble and praiseworthy, the Word of God, the person of Christ. Now let's read the next verse. But, I love that. Everybody say, but. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. Come on, say, I'm not controlled by my sinful nature. Why? Because when I mess up, it's not what I really want to do. So it's not me, it's the sin in me. But Christ is doing a work and getting rid of that. See, Paul? It's connected. You've got to read the connection. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And then there's an extra power of Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is even greater. And if you don't got it, you need it. You can come talk to us about it. So let's recount. How do you know who or what you're following? Everybody point to your mind. What I'm thinking about. What's on my mind. And you got to ask yourself the question, is what's on my mind, does it please God? Does it lead to death or life? Chaos or peace? Am I walking in obedience or not? Now notice again the importance of our mind, our thoughts, our attitudes. And I have to ask the question, what am I feeding my mind? See, the challenge when we don't feel like we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to look at what we're feeding our mind with. Because if I'm feeding my mind more with what's on my phone than what's in the Word, that might be a clue. If I'm feeding my mind more with how my 401k is doing and my stock portfolio instead of filling my mind with what God says, then that might be a problem. If I'm feeding my mind with all my problems, oh, come on, you know how it is. You try to go to sleep at night and all you can think about are your problems. If all I do is think about my problems, feed my mind with my problems, then I got a problem. (laughs) And my mind is the problem. So I need to ask, what am I thinking about? Do you know that worry is a form of worship? Worry is worship. Because instead of worshiping God, who is the creator above all and in all, I'm focusing not on him. I'm focusing on my problem. I'm focusing on my situation. I'm worried about things. And it's, it's taking up all of my mind and my time and my energy and my attention. So I'm actually worshiping my problem. And I'm not no longer worshiping the person of Christ. Worry is worship. That's why the Bible says, do not be worried. But pray. Now, worrying is not wrong, but you got to learn how to stop it. Worry is kind of a natural human response. Something that you don't expect happens. Ah! What am I going to do? Worry, worry, worry. No, you train yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit to stop worry short. The Bible says, do not be worried or anxious, but present your request to God in prayer with thanksgiving. That's the second part of that verse. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ. Worry is is a form of meditation. Think about what you're thinking about. 
You are free from the power of sin. You are no longer controlled by the old way. You now have the Holy Spirit in you. Let's keep reading verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I love this, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For some of you, but I can't help it. This is how my family is. This is how we are. We get angry. We blow up. We lash out. Well, that might be true. But just because that's how you've always operated, when it's not what God is calling you to do, you no longer are slave to that. You've been freed from that. Now the Holy Spirit can teach you a new way of dealing with anger. Because anger is not a sin, but the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. He says, for if you live by the dictates of your natural sinful nature, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So when the Holy Spirit starts to talk to us, we got to respond in obedience. We need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, and we got to be willing to follow what the Holy Spirit is directing us to do. When the Holy Spirit was like, mm, Dawn, you shouldn't have said that. I don't know. Sometimes we just, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Really, God? Like, okay, I'm sorry. Now go ask them for forgiveness. Oh. <laughs> but you forgive me, right, God? Like, do I really need to? If you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is directing you to do. We're going to go to Galatians 5, and we're going to finish out today in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Read it. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I'm so grateful that God did not just leave us in our own limited strength and wisdom and self-control and willpower to live a new way of living because we wouldn't be able to do it. There is nothing good in me. But he gives us himself through the Holy Spirit to empower me to live the new way for Christ, to leave my sinful behaviors that are no longer right because I am no longer a sinner. I'm saved by grace. That is not me anymore. So I have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to learn a new way of operation, to live free from those things that once held me bound. But I have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide my life. And I'm not just talking about your Sunday morning life. I'm talking about what you watch, what you read, what you talk about, who you talk to, what kind of character you have, what kind of employee you are, what kind of boss you are, what kind of parent you are, what kind of sibling are you. I'm talking about every area. What is done in public and what nobody knows but you in private. We must let Holy Spirit guide every aspect of our life. Why? Looks what it says. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit, I love this, the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Remember last week I read the scripture that we are to work hard at our salvation but God is working in us the desire and the power to do his will 
So the Holy Spirit is actively working in you the desire for what is right, the desire for what is holy, the desire for what is good. He's working that in you. That's why I don't really enjoy that activity like I used to. That's the Holy Spirit. Boy, I used to have the mouth like a sailor. Now it only slips out every now and then. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us desires. He actually changes our bad desires into good desires. I love that. These two forces, the desires of my sinful nature, the old, and the desires of the new by the power of the Holy Spirit, they are constantly fighting each other. You know how we display it in cartoons? The little red Satan and the little white Jesus. Right? The white angel, the red. You know better. You know how we have that kind of imagery? That is what this scripture is talking about. I know what is right, but I don't always want to do it. It's what we read in Romans 7. I know what I shouldn't do, but man, that seems really good to me right now. And there's the reaction of my sinful nature, what comes natural, what comes innate. And there's the Holy Spirit saying, no, Don. Don. Sometimes he has to go, Don. And I'm so glad because I've given him permission. I say, Holy Spirit, if you need to just smack me upside the head, do it. Palo. You know, whatever you need. But the Holy Spirit, there, there's that reality of I'm saved and before God, he sees me as perfect. I'm right before God, but I still don't do everything perfect. I, I, I still don't do everything right. But now I'm aware. So even though there's this battle in me, I'm not alone in fighting this battle. I got the Holy Spirit. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, this phrase here means you're not free from the law. Do whatever you want. What it means is the law of Moses is what gave us sin. The Bible says you wouldn't know what sin was except the law. So when it says I'm, I'm not under the obligation of the law of Moses, it says I'm not under the obligation of the power of sin. So the Holy Spirit puts his desires in us. Why? To produce his character in us. Holy Spirit works his desires in you so that he can craft the Christ-like character that you want and need. Let's keep reading verse 19. So how do you know? Here we go again. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. And that's not just necessarily bowing down to a, a statue. It's about putting anything or anyone above God in your life. Sorcery, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling. You know, the per people that always want to poke at you and fight just for the sake of argument. <laughs> Jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, step on the little guy, do what I got to do to get to the top. Dissension means I'm causing problems that lead to division. <laughs> Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty bold statement. See, as a church, we've been going through the Christian sexuality series, and so we've been talking about what it looks like to live with sexual integrity in this culture 
we're in, where anything goes. And we're learning how to deal with issues of lust and sexual immorality and some of the other issues that revolve around our sexuality and our sexual integrity. But it's not just the area of our sexual integrity. God cares about other areas as well. He, he might start with those sins, but then he goes into a bunch of other stuff. Because someone say, well, I mean, I don't look at porn and I'm faithful to my spouse. So, I mean, I'm good. Can we be honest? All of us have something that the Holy Spirit wants to work on. It might look different for you or for me, but we all still need his help. Because we're all still a work in progress. And, and just on this note, something Holy Spirit taught me that I think is so important. Don't judge someone else's areas of weakness because it's your area of strength. Sometimes as Christian, well, I don't know why he keeps dealing with that. I don't have a problem with that. Well, good for you. Eat a cookie. <laughs> See, the problem with the church is we judge each other. But I'm judging your weakness in an area that I have natural strength in. Well, that ain't from me. That's from Jesus. And I better not judge you because I got my own areas of weakness that aren't yours. So instead of looking at the log and I mean, the speck in your eye, I better deal with the log in my own. So when we're talking about weakness, we all have different areas of weakness, vulnerabilities, depending on our personality, depending on our upbringing, our experiences, different things that we've gone through, even generational issues. So stop looking at everybody other problems and let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Tell your neighbor, stop looking at me. <laughs> See... Our sinful nature will keep us living in the old, but Jesus has called us to take off the old and put on the new. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And if we're not willing to deal with these issues in our life, can we put it back up, Colleen? If we're not willing to deal with these different issues in our life, then we have a problem. It says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to be willing to die to ourselves to really live the new way. Let's keep reading verse 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. How do you know what you're following? Are you doing the above or are you doing this? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How are you doing in these areas, by the way? Are you becoming more of a patient person? Are you becoming more kind? How's your self-control? Are you gentle? Hmm, how much joy are you living in? How's your love walk? The Holy Spirit put it, puts these things inside of us. But I tell you, the fruit, it's not a plural like a cluster of grapes. It's a fruit. It's a one thing. The Holy Spirit has put all of this in you. So you have within you the seeds, talks about fruit, the seeds of this fruit is already in you, but you got to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate those seeds so that he weeds out what is bad and you nourish it with the water of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's like exercising. you got to exercise patience if you want to be more patient. That's why they say don't pray for patience. Because then you're going to have time to practice. All of these things are already in you because of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate these qualities in you more and more. These are all qualities of Christ-like character. 
I love that. Isn't that good? So instead of looking at everybody else, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit, what areas here do you want me to work in, pro in, in, in tandem with you, in partnership with you, Holy Spirit? I need a little more self-control. Do you know I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me when it comes to self-control and eating? I have many, many, many times. Yeah, right? I'm not embarrassed to say it. We all got our different weaknesses. Don't judge me. <laughs> I know the Holy Spirit's showing me there's been times I've turned to food instead of Him. So don't judge me. It doesn't make me any different than the one who turns to the bottle, the one who turns to the screen, the one who turns to something else. We got to quit turning to everything else and turn to Jesus. And ask the Holy Spirit to develop more of this in our life. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. And then obey Him. Come on. Here's our last scriptures. Galatians 5 verse 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. This is the visual I want you to get. My old way of acting and reacting, my old attitudes, my stinking thinking, I'm nailing it to the cross. I don't know, I'm a visual person, so it helps me to say, uh-uh, in Jesus' name. I die to myself. I pick up my cross. We have nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature. So if my passions and desires do not align with the word of God and the new nature of Christ, then I got a choice. I can indulge it or nail it to the cross. We like to indulge our nature. It's so easy. Why is everything that is good so hard? I've asked Jesus this question. Why are all the yummy foods bad for you? Why is exercise so difficult? <laughs> like, let's be honest. Why are the right things so hard sometimes? <laughs> we have to nail the passions and desires of the old, the sinful nature to the cross. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since we are living by the Spirit, because you are, you're living by the Spirit. You belong to Christ, you are living by the Spirit. And since you're, don't worry, we don't mind about kids' noise. We love kids' noise. Don't worry. Since we are living by the Spirit, read it. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now we're going to change it. We're going to make it personal. You're going to read it like this. Now, I will follow in every part of my life. Got it? Ready? Here we go. I will follow the Spirit's leading in every part of my life. You got to make that choice. You got to make the choice. Will I follow the old, my sinful nature, corrupted by lust and deception, or will I follow instead the Holy Spirit who is in me? Will I allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in me? Will I allow the Holy Spirit to change my thoughts, my thinking, my attitudes? Will I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me into truth, which is in Christ Jesus? Will I allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct my life? Will I allow Him to produce the right good fruit in me? If I'm going to do that, i got to throw off the old. Everybody say, throw it off. 
We got to crucify those passions and desires. We got to put on the new. Everybody do that. Put on the new. We got to put on the new nature. We got to live like Christ by learning more about Him, following the lead of the Holy Spirit, responding to Him and repenting as necessary. Can I tell you? You got to learn how to repent. It's not a one time deal when you got saved. <laughs> And then let the Holy Spirit train your new way of thinking. Choose wisely what you feed your mind with. Choose wisely so that together we can become like Christ. Here's a scripture I want to give you to pray this week. Found in Psalms 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father God, we thank you that we are no longer slave to the power of sin, but we have been set free by Jesus Christ who died on the cross. We thank you that we don't have to follow our old way, but we can learn the new way by following the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would reveal to us what needs to change that you would guide and direct the different areas of our life in a way that would lead us to know more about you and become more like Christ. Show us the areas of our thoughts that lead to death so that we can train ourselves to fix our thoughts on Christ and what leads to life and peace. We give you permission this week, Holy Spirit, to search our hearts, search our lives. And we ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.